Scripture. It is rich. I love it. I oftentimes uh, go back to it and I reference it. But I, I haven't preached it, uh, this, this portion of Scripture, this chapter here. And uh, this is what God had for this morning. And uh, this is John chapter 4. Amen? John chapter 4. And let's begin with verse 1, please. The Bible says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for what you did so many years ago. Lord, as we look to it, may we glean from the Word this morning. And Lord, teach us, Holy Spirit, what you want. Father God, we thank you for this time. You have set this exactly in place on purpose. And Lord, you have everybody in this, uh, this sanctuary this morning on purpose for a reason. And I pray that we not miss that reason. Holy Spirit of God, that you'd speak to hearts and that we would respond accordingly. Lord, whether we're believers or whether we're unbelievers, whether we've been saved a long time or whether we haven't been saved very long at all, God, may we glean from the Word and respond to you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. In the first few verses here, we see where the Pharisees are starting to take notice that Jesus is beginning, his ministry is beginning to make more disciples and baptize more than John the Baptist. Now, let me just say this it's not a competition. It's not a competition between myself and Brother Caldwell across town. It's not a competition between myself and, and, and Brother Bush across the, or down in Kearneysville. You with me? It's not a competition between me and Brother Messer up there in Hagerstown or whoever else up there. It's just God's calls and we're going to do it for His glory. It's not about me, it's about God. Let me just remember that. Let's be reminded of that this morning. And it's fun to have a little competition sometimes among the bus routes and who can fill their bus bigger. Because that's more souls being reached for Christ. I know that. But let's never have, get a big head out of this thing and have a competition about it so we can barely fit through those doors back there coming out of the sanctuary. You with me? All right? It's not a competition. And Jesus is showing us that here in, uh, in verse, uh, the first three verses here of this chapter. The Pharisees are starting to take notice. They're saying, wait a minute, Jesus, you're doing more than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, man, he's a big shot. We've known him for some time. He's been preaching the word. And that guy's not afraid to preach the word. And he'll stand up and he'll preach it. He preached to Herod. And we saw those things. And uh, look, what, what now you're starting to do more than he is. And Jesus says, oh, I'm out of here. Isn't that what, isn't that what the Bible says? Look, at, look here. It says, and he, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Jesus said, it's not, it's not about me doing more than him. It's about to the glory of the Father. And Jesus said, I'll just remove myself so you know that there's no competition between me and John. He can have it, and I'll take the humble road, and I'll leave. And that's what, that's what Jesus did. Amen? That's our example there. And he did that. But look at verse 4. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well after it was about 
And it was about the sixth hour. Okay? Jesus said, okay, I'm, I'm leaving Judea. Judea is, is Judah. It's the area surrounding Jerusalem. It's that, it's that uh, southern tribe of the Old Testament. That's what it is. And he's been down there around Jerusalem, the holy city, where the temple was, all of that. And now he's going back to Galilee. Okay? The Galilee is a region around the, the Sea of Galilee where Nazareth would have been at, where um, uh, Tiberius would have been at, and others, okay? The, these, this area to the north, okay? So Jesus is headed back there. There's two routes that go from Jerusalem to Galilee. There's two routes. The first route, well, let me say that clearly. There may have been more routes. There's two uh, that Jesus would have taken in this instance here. There's the easy route, when you, Jerusalem's up in the mountains, and the easy route would have been like hopping on 81 to get to Hagerstown, right? It's the easier route. And, and, and uh, it, he, he went down the mountain, down to Jericho, down along the Jordan Valley, and came, he could have come up the Jordan Valley along the flat ground there. He could have done that. That was the easy route to take. That's what most people took when they were going north to south. Because it was the easy road. It was the faster way to go. It was the least obstacles. The second route, the one that Jesus did take in this instance, was the harder route. And that's the route through the mountains. If you can picture Israel, and if you can't, there's a lot of times there's maps in the back of your Bible that'll help you with this. And you can look, Jerusalem, a little more centralized in the nation of Israel. And so was, uh, so was Samaria. And Galilee, a little bit more off closer, obviously, to the Sea of Galilee. Okay? But you could have, he could have gone up the way of the Jordan Valley over on the right-hand side, or, the, or excuse me, to the east, or he could have gone up through the mountains. He went up through the mountains. He said here, was it verse 4? He said, and he must needs go through Samaria. He said, I have a reason for this trip. Now, let's talk about the route through the mountains for a minute. It was not an easy one. Okay? I got to drive Skyline Drive recently down through Shenandoah National Park. Beautiful. Right? Each, each little section of it, about 30 miles or 30... There was the one that we drove, I think it was 31 or 32 miles. Right? It took longer than going the highway, didn't it? Why? Because it's going up and down the mountain. It's going around like this. It was beautiful. Except for the fact that it was very, very foggy when we drove it. <laughs> and it was, it, you couldn't see anything. We stopped at the overlook and we're just like, ah, oh, look at the fog that God created. Amen. <laughs> it's awesome. Amen? Okay, that was, that's what it was. Okay. But what you know is if you've ever been on that road, you know it goes like this. And it goes like this. And then it does this again. And then it stops for an overlook. And can I tell you what? In Jesus' day, they didn't have those paved roads. He wasn't walking on asphalt. And so he was doing this, and he was doing this on stony, rocky ground. Stepping on tree, tree roots and rocks and going around cliffs and all this. It was a difficult journey. It was not easy. It's roughly, the reason I was talking about Skyline Drive, because my, the section that my wife and I drove recently was around 30 miles. The trip from Jerusalem to Samaria through the mountains was approximately 30 miles. 
If you notice here in verse 6, it says it was about the sixth hour of the day. He got there, he was a little bit tired. It was actually to go that far through the mountains was a day and a half journey. So he's traveled all the day before and half of that day. The sixth hour would have been, help me now, the sun comes up about 6 a.m. And it was the sixth hour of the day, so around noon, around our lunchtime. All right, And so uh, Jesus has traveled for a day and a half. He's tired. He's, we- he's wearied. He might be breathing a little heavy, heavy from climbing a hill. He might have, his, his feet might have been a little sore. He might have had rocks in his sandals or something. He had to sit down and get them out. You with me? Come on, you get them in your boots? You think he didn't get them in his sandals? This is real life stuff here. Jesus was a man on earth. And he was walking that. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, um, he wasn't on his Harley. He wasn't in his pickup truck. He was walking it. it was, he's wearied from that. This is real life, okay? And so he sat down uh, there on the well. Now, this is near the place, in verse 5, that Joseph, or excuse me, uh, Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And there was a well there, Jacob's well. And we understand that. He sits down on the well. Now, I have in my mind a picture of a well, okay, with the stones in a circular fashion there. I don't know if that was really the well back in those days. It could have been just a few rocks around the hole. I don't really know. But he sat down on a rock or something that was there that was considered the well, okay? Let's, let's continue along. He gets to his reason, his purpose here. And uh, now the next section. Now, if I was a good if I was a good preacher, I'd give you a big old outline for you to write down because some of y'all need that. Okay, so like the first uh, the first six verses, that's the detour. He's not taking the easy road; he's taking the detour. The verses seven through twenty six, that's the discussion. He's about to have a discussion with a lady. He's about to witness to her. Okay, and then the next uh, section of verses twenty seven through thirty nine, that's the disciples. All right, he's got to teach his disciples afterwards what's going on with all this. All right, he's patient and he takes time for the believers and unbelievers. Amen. With me? He's being a pastor here. He's being a shepherd. And he's ta- he takes time to witness to an unbeliever, but he also takes time to teach his, the believers, his disciples that are following him. And that's a, that's a good shepherd here. But I'm not a good preacher, so I wouldn't give you that outline, and that's not original. That's not original with me. So there you go. That's free. Okay, amen. Let's move on. Verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. He just preached salvation to her right there. Okay, I'll get to that in just a moment. His whole purpose of going to Samaria, his whole purpose of taking that route, his whole purpose of spending a day and a half walking through a difficult terrain and being wearied from that was to get there to talk to this one woman because he knew the outcome of it. He knew what it was going to be. Jesus Christ is concerned about souls. 
He's concerned about people that are lost and dying on their way to hell and says, you need to be saved. This is before he died on the cross. And he said, you still need a savior. And he says, uh, he says, I got this living water. He's talking about living water. He's talking about a spring that is continually flowing. It's not just a, a going down for one little dip. It's continual. It keeps coming out of the ground. It's for, it's a everlasting. He says it's going to come into everlasting life here. And uh, he explains that here in a little bit. And uh, Brother John Kidwell, do you know anything about uh, when you're witnessing to folks how, how distractions can come about? You know a thing about that? You know, it's, it's funny how the devil knows how to use a cell phone and a television and, and a roommate or, or a neighbor yelling. Yeah. Or, or, or a kid crying and, and running through the house barely dressed. <laughs> You with me? The devil, when, when God's work is being done, he knows how to make a distraction. Yeah. This woman brings up a distraction here and, and she's got a lot of questions. You ever witness to somebody and they're so focused on this little tiny word that you said that really is not the detail you were trying to get to. And you're trying to tell them about something. They're saying, yeah, but what about this? And they start going off on this tangent of questions over this cookie that you used as an illustration. You with me? Like, Forget the cookie. I'm trying to get you saved. I'm trying to show you the way to Christ. You with me? Look, look what she does for distraction number one. Look at verse nine. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You know what she does? She pulls out the race card. I'm being serious. That's what she did. She said, wait a minute. You're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? That's what she said right there. We know the history of this, uh, of this a little bit. That in the Old Testament, you know that the people of the northern kingdom, Samaria was their capital city. Okay, Samaria was built by Omri, which happened to be Ahab's father. And it was built upon a hill, which was called Samaria. And then the surrounding area became known as Samaria. All right? So Northern Kingdom. Now, who conquered the Northern Kingdom? Starts with an A. The Assyrians. The Assyrians conquered the Northern Kingdom. Babylon conquered the Southern Kingdom. All right? Taking you back in Old Testament history here. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom. They came in, they took the people, removed them from the land, and then scattered them among their empire. What they did now was they allowed other people to move into Israel and take ownership and take live in the land. And what happened was the people are living in the land and they began to have trouble with different animals. I know some lions were coming and attacking them because the Bible talks about it. And some different things. And the Assyrians said... Maybe we're missing something here. Maybe, maybe their God is real and, and we need to figure out a way on how to call on him. So, they, so the Assyrians got some of the Jews that they had removed from the land and put back in the land, not a lot of them, but some of them, and called them priests to teach the Assyrians that were in the land how to call on Jehovah. Now, what happened was it became a very ritualistic kind of going through the motions religion okay it'd be like uh uh you know uh, well i don't need to go off on that tangent I, lord's shutting that down okay so okay and and what really there's there's a there's a mixed 
mentality here of religion and a mixed people group physically. Because over time, the Jews began that were put back in that land began to mix with the Assyrians. And now you've got people that are not Jew anymore. They're, they're a mixed race of some sort. They're a mixed uh, group of people physically and they're mixed spiritually. You with me? Okay. That wasn't okay with most Jews. So the Samaritans are a mixed group of people. And, and they're, 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 not, uh, they're not even, they're a little bit confused with their traditions of religion, of going through the motions. Like some people of the world today, because mama and grandmama trying to take them to a church of mixed uh, ideas and traditions of men, and they don't understand what it all means and why you do it, they just need to get saved and come to the truth. Okay, we understand that, alright? So here's some people that are mixed, uh, physically and religiously, and she's saying, wait a minute, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? And she pulls out this distraction here, this card. Look what Jesus says. He starts preaching the gospel to, him, to her. Look at verse 10. I love this. This is clear salvation right here. He says, verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, number one, if thou knewest the gift of God, number two, and who it is that, thou, that, that saith to thee, give me to drink, number three, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and for, and he would have given thee living water. That's the plan of salvation right there. Okay? Number one, he says, if thou knewest the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Salvation. It's eternal life. It's what God, it's that grace that God has bestowed to us and said, hey, if you want to get saved, you can get saved. But we have to recognize that we need it, right? we got to recognize that we need it. We need to know we're sinners, that we need that, that gift of God. Because people that don't believe they're sinners don't need anything from God. Right. we got to recognize our condition, right? Number two, we've got to believe that Jesus is the one who saves us. Look, he says, and who is who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. He said, if you would have known the Messiah was here talking to you, you would have asked. He says, first of all, you've got to recognize this gift that you need. Secondly, you've got to re- believe on Jesus. Third here, thou, that, excuse me, number three, thou wouldest have asked of him. You would have asked Jesus to save you. The Bible says you've got to believe and you've got to ask. That's what Romans chapter 10 says. And right here, Jesus is teaching that. And number four, when you ask, you will receive salvation. Number four, he says... And he would have given thee living water. I like Jesus' outline here. He's preaching the gospel to this woman. I love it. All right. Verse 11. The woman saith unto him. Watch this now. Distraction number two. Watch this. The woman saith unto him. Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. What's he doing? She pulls out another card, the reality card. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, so you're thirsty and I come down to draw water. But wait a minute, you don't got a bucket and you're telling me you're thirsty. And you're telling me that you can give me water that I'll never thirst again. But you don't got a bucket. Explain that to me. You don't got a bucket. She's pulling out the reality card. 
Listen, if you want to be saved, it's by faith. It's by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians chapter 2 says. God is not going to put a big scroll in the sky and says, whatever, thou shalt do this. He's already given us his word. And he said, you've got to read it, you've got to believe it, and know that I've died for you, that I rose from the dead, and I'm coming back to get you if you get saved. It's by faith. It's by faith. And she's saying, you ain't got no bucket. She plays the reality card here. She's, she's looking at right, what's right in front of you. All right? Um, sometimes, listen, sometimes... You try to witness to somebody and you try to give illustrations and you're going one direction and you got to change it real quick. Right, brother kid? Well, you got to change it real quick. Him and I have been soul winning a little bit recently together and uh, he knows what we're talking about right now because I'd be going this way. I'm I, talking to this boy and trying to give him an illustration. And I says, uh, you, know, you know the Grand Canyon, right? He's like, no. <laughs> okay, move a different direction. I said, I said, you know the Potomac, right? No. <laughs> Move a different direction. <laughs> I was trying to give him an illustration, a picture, that he can't just jump across it. And then I started thinking, about, I said, Lord, help me, please. Holy Spirit of God, give me a different direction right now. I literally said that right there in front of everybody. And uh, just praying openly, all right? Nehemiah prayed openly, quick prayers. You look at it. I did the same thing. I said, Lord, help me right now. I'm trying and I'm failing. <laughs> And I need you. And uh, anyways, I think, uh, I think Brother Kidwell came to the rescue on that thing. He just grabbed that boy and said, you need to get saved, boy. <laughs> it was awesome. Man, it was awesome. Oh, that's, listen, listen. If you, need, if you need preaching illustrations, go soul winning with John Kidwell. Okay? That's, the, that's just the way it is. Okay, all right, moving on. Uh, and so she's pulling out these distractions. And uh, Jesus says in verse 13, Jesus answered and said, said unto her, Whosoever drinketh, drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He's talking about that living water that will always be there. Look at her again, 15. Verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now she wants to get, she wants that water, but she's still in the physical realm. She's still thinking of that reality. She's saying, okay, um, uh, okay, well, I don't want to come back and draw water every day. I know this is hard work. I got to carry this back to my house. This is for my family, right? So if I can have, I can have water that I won't have to do this no more. Well, yeah, give it to me. And um, Jesus, look at him. He changed, tac- he changed tactics here. Right, well, exactly what I was just saying. He does that right here, verse sixteen. Jesus, Jesus saith unto her, "Go, call thy husband and come hither." What? What? What's that have to do about water? Nothing. He changed it. Changed gears here. He said, "Really, what I need to do here is," he says, uh, "I, I, I got to show her that she's a sinner." Before we get saved, we have to recognize that we're sinners. We got to recognize our condition. We are sinners, plain and simple. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know it and I know it. 
There's people out there to say they're without sin. And God says, you're a liar if you say that. First John says that. First John chapter one. You say you have no sin. You call God a liar. Okay. That's what he's saying there. We know we're sinners. All right. Even as a child, even as a little boy, I knew that I was a sinner. You know why? Because my parents did it right. And when I got in trouble, there was consequences. Yeah. Because God made a special place and he teaches that in his word. And that's still the word. Amen. Good old spanking. And I knew that I was a sinner because my mommy and daddy taught me I was. And they helped me to know that, that when I was ready to get saved, I knew I was a sinner. There's something about bringing up kids the right way. Now, that's not my message of the day, but I, that's free. I just put that in there. All right. You don't, have to, you don't have to pay for that one. Okay. All right. Good. Moving on. Some of you are getting scared. It'll be all right. Let's do it God's way. Amen. 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 All right. Good. Let's, let's get back to the word of God here. And uh, he says in verse, verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou, hast is not thy, he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, say, in that saidst thou truly. Sorry, them saidst and... Didst and all them words, I get tongue-tied a little bit. Forgive me on that thing, okay? In that saidst thou truly. All right. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She says, okay, all right, you just called me out right now. You just called me right out, okay? Uh, Sometimes the Spirit of God allows uh, a preacher to pinpoint sin in people's life and just call it right out. Okay, sometimes it allows, Jesus here is God. He doesn't, he doesn't need uh, anything to be able to do that. He already knows everything. God, God's, the, the word of God teaches us that God is uh, omniscient. He knows it all. Okay. And, uh, and he says, he says, yeah, I know exactly what's going on. You don't have a husband because you've already had five of them and you're now living with a man that's not your husband. It's calling out her sin. Now notice here, please notice this is so important. Jesus doesn't bash her over the head with this. He calls out her sin and says, you're a sinner. And then he moves on to get saved. You need to be saved. You need a savior because you're a sinner. He doesn't say, rake her over the coals, stone her, I'll crucify her. He doesn't do anything like that. Jesus shows great mercy to sinners. He does. He shows it. He shows it to me. He showed it to me when I got saved and he shows it to me every single day when I confess sin. Amen. Your preacher is a sinner. And if you think I'm not, then hang around me for a few minutes and you'll find out real quick. I'm a sinner. I'm flesh and blood just like you are. And the Bible says I got to confess my sin. Just same as you. Same as you. All right. And uh, the Bible says here as we continue here. Um. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our father, she pulls out distraction number three. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You know what she does there? She pulls out distraction number three. This is the, the ritual card. Yeah, the ritual. Well, well, my daddy and my, my ancestors, we've always worshipped in the mountain. And you're te- you say, the Jews say, we need to go to Jerusalem. That the church house is the right place to be. 
uh, that the temple is the right place to be in, in this vernacular at this time. And uh, she's pulling out distraction number three. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that think they're doing okay because they've been to church several times. There's a lot of people in this world that, are, that think that they're doing okay, that think that they're going to make it to heaven because they put a dollar in the offering plate. Can I tell you, going to church and putting something in the offering plate is a good thing to do, but it does not save your soul. It does not save your soul. Helping your neighbor with their groceries or, or, or mowing your neighbor's grass occasionally or, or being nice and helping out around the church and opening the door, being a greeter or driving a bus or helping on the route or just being here and bringing your Bible does not save your soul. And she pulls out this ritual card and says, hey, my, my daddy and my, my ancestors, we've already, always prayed in this mountain and this is how we've done it. And we've gone through the motions. You could say something like this. Yeah, my mama used to count her beads and her rosaries. My mama used to, to say these prayers. And I, I learned how to do this thing and whatever that is. You understand? But there's a lot of people that are trusting in that. And my mama used to pray to Mary. Whoa, let's be cautious. Where's that in Bible? Where is that at? Let me, let me just say, let's be careful that that's a man-made ritual, ritualistic thing that we ought not to have part of. Mary was a sinner. Yes, God said she was blessed above all women, but it didn't say she was without sin. And it never once said that we're saved through Mary. Amen. Never once did it say that. And if you can challenge me that in the Word of God, I want to see it. It's not in there. I'm telling you it's not. Bible says it's only through Jesus Christ. Amen. Only through Jesus Christ. Let's be careful of man-made religions and rituals. Amen. Whatever they might be. Yes, Daniel prayed on a uh, uh, prayed back facing east to Jerusalem. Excuse me, if he was in the east, he would have been facing west. Okay, but he prayed and faced Jerusalem three times a day. He prayed to God. Yes, and I have seen people pull out their mats and lay it on the ground and bow down and pray three times a day. I've seen it. That doesn't make you saved. That doesn't make you right with your God to where you can get a home in heaven and life eternity of eternal life. That's not Bible. Stick with me now. I'm trying to help you here. As your pastor, I'm trying to help you know how you can know for sure here. All right, let's, let's know this thing here. So she pulls out the ritualistic card. Verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem Worship the Father. You know what he's saying there? He says it's not about a place. It's not about a place. It's about a relationship. That's what he's saying. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. In other words, we know the God we're calling on. Jesus said, basically what he's saying is, I know the Son of God that, that we call on. And he's talking about himself right there. He says, we, we know who we worship. It's about a relationship. It's not about a place. These walls are wonderful, but there might come a time. Is it not accurate? Somebody help me. Been around here a long time. Didn't one time the roof leak or something and it was flooded in this place? Yeah. And you can't, you can't meet in here. What? You're laughing like, phew, I'm glad that, that was a long time ago. Praise God. Amen. Yes. Praise God for that. But you can't meet in here when you got four feet of water on, on the ground. Okay. The kids, they, we'd lose them. <laughs> Might lose some of y'all, all right? Amen. All right. 
And we'd have to move to the pavilion or move to a different room or go into the gymnasium or something, right? It's not about the walls. It's not about the place. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I got saved behind a platform in a side room that a man took me and showed me the Bible. My children, let me think. Adeline and Tucker got saved in my home while I was showing them the scripture. My son Jethro got saved in my truck because he started asking his daddy questions. And the Holy Spirit kept going. And, and, and I, I, uh, uh, when my children are small, I try to distract them a little bit to see if they're serious or not. Because I don't want to lead them down. They, they'll get saved if I ask them to, but I want to make sure it's real. And, uh, and, and I remember Jethro got saved in my pickup truck one, one Friday afternoon. I remember that very specifically. Marshall, we're still praying for him. He's, st- <laughs> he's still a child of the devil. Amen. He's- <laughs> hey, it's Bible. And he shows it. He shows it. Amen. All right. You pray for me with him, okay? All right, good. Yeah, you give him time. He's only four. All right. Give him time. Come on now. All right. Moving on here. Verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Look at this here. This is where it gets. The, the, uh, the woman saith unto him, this is where it gets interesting here. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. She's saying, I know the Messiah is coming. Which is, that Messiah is the Greek way of saying the Hebrew Messiah. All right, cometh. Which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her. Here it is. I that speak unto thee am he. Man, I like those parts in the Bible when he just puts it right out there. He said, you have, still haven't got it. She pulls out distraction number four, and it's the reluctant card. Well, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I'll get saved one day. Yeah, when, when I'm ready, when I've thought through it, you know, maybe, maybe when Jesus comes, I'll get saved. Isn't that what she just said? Messiah's going to come. I know he's coming. And one day he's coming, he's going to tell us all things. She's pulling out that reluctant card. Yeah, you've seen them. You've heard it. You put your, your witness to somebody. They're battling it. There's spiritual warfare going on uh, all around you. You know it's true. And you're, bow, you're, uh, you're saying, Lord, help me. Help me. Lord, you need to draw these people in and help me to say the right things. And you're witnessing to these folks and they say, yes, I'm just not ready. Someday. I'm going to do that someday. Maybe I'll go home and think about it. Maybe I'll do it then. Wait a minute. And Jesus said, I that speak unto you, unto thee, am he. Amen. He said, you don't have to wait on the Messiah. I'm right here. That's what he said. And she gets saved. The, the Bible doesn't record us her uh, receiving her faith. We know that that's a, a personal decision there of, of believing here. But look what the Bible says. In verse 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? And the woman, verse 28, then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She got saved. You see that? It's real in her heart. She said, 
I found the Messiah. He's the one. I've believed on him. Now you got to come meet him. You come on and meet him. Here's, here's a very important part of this, this passage here. She's a brand new convert. She's just believed. And immediately she's a soul winner. Immediately she is. She didn't have to go to Bible college. She didn't have to spend three years with Jesus walking around. She didn't have to go to the Bible Institute or to Sunday school for six months. She said, I met Jesus. Woo! Come meet him too. She didn't have all the right words. She didn't have all the right verses. She didn't have the Romans road memorized. It hadn't even been written down yet. You with me? She said, I met the Messiah. You come meet him too. That's all she needed to say. That's all she needed to say. Listen, it's okay if you're trying, you're trying to soul win, soul win, I mean, winning souls for Christ. I mean, witnessing the giving the gospel so people can get saved. It's okay if you don't have all the right words to say. The Holy Spirit is with you and you can, you can say, Lord, fill me with your words. Tell me what to say. It doesn't matter what, what you've been educated and how far you've come and how far you've grown. I can see here that the woman, the same hour she got saved, she's running into town saying, would you come meet the Savior? Amen? Amen? If you're brand new saved, you just got saved last week and you want to come soul winning this week, then come on. We'll take you with us. And, and you know what? When you hang around soul winners... You start learning, uh, you start picking up a thing or two. Well, that worked pretty good. Let me try that next time. Amen? That's why the Bible is pretty clear and God knew what he was talking about. When you go, you teach, you baptize, and then you keep teaching, right? And you have men teaching other men how to witness. And you have ladies teaching other ladies how to witness, how to give the gospel. Amen? That's part of the reason why I'm, I'm preaching this today. Well, God, I believe God's pulling out here because there's a lot of people in this room right now that are saved, but there's not a lot of soul winners in here. That's the truth. Why? Because we fear men's faces. We fear, well, it's a pride thing. Uh, well, I'm just, uh, I don't think I have what it takes and all this such. Listen, listen, listen. It doesn't matter if you just got saved a few minutes ago, you can be a soul winner. There's proof right here in the scripture. Amen. Okay. I was just talking about when Brother Kidwell and I were out. He taught me a thing or two. I needed to stop with all these illustrations. I was trying to find the right picture to get this kid to, sit, to think about. And he just grabbed him and said, boy, you need to get saved. I learned a thing or two. Sometimes you just got to go, boy, you need to get saved. You with me? You got the book of Jude talks about that, pulling them out of the fire, doesn't it? Woo! You want to go to the fired up place? You want to go to hell? Or do you want to go to heaven? Boy, you need to get saved if you want to go to heaven. Amen? Some of you are sleeping. Come on, wake up. It's the, book, the word of God is either true or it ain't true. It's true. And you know it is. And the Holy Spirit of God's confirming that in your heart. Amen? We go on. I got to be done here. But he goes on. And uh, after she gets saved. Oh, let me show you something here. This is awesome. Look at this. Verse number 39, verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. Praise God. 
which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. She got a revival started. Wasn't that awesome? Because she said, I met Jesus. Would you come meet him too? And she started inviting people to come meet Jesus. And a whole bunch of people got saved because of what she said. They came and met Jesus. And then more people came because everybody started coming. Hey, that's, that's okay. People see you coming to church. Uh, people see the bus rolling through the neighborhood. Yeah, I want to ride. And they can come for any promotion they want to come for. I don't care. If we're going to shoot candy out of a cannon at them, Brother Ben. Or we're going to throw water balloons at them. They can come for anything they want to come for. They'll hear the gospel. They can get saved. Amen. I don't care what the bus captain wants to do. Have a, have a hot dog for him or, or eat, a, eat a goldfish. Do we still have that around here? Goldfish Sunday? Been a while? Brother Kidwell, you need to eat a goldfish, man. Or is it going to be Reed over here? Reed, you going to eat a goldfish? Somebody needs to. Get them kids on the bus so they can hear the gospel. Maybe I need to eat the goldfish. Did I just say that publicly on the internet? Amen. Moving on. All right. The passage that we, we didn't get to today is uh, really when it picks up here, verse 28 on, verse 29 on, and the disciples start asking questions. And Jesus has to go back and he has to begin to teach his disciples, hey, listen here. They're, they're, they're a little bit concerned. They're saying, why are you talking to this woman? He, he said, the disciples are saying, Jesus, you need to eat. And he says, I've already been feasting here. I got meat that you know not of. I'm going my father's business here. And, and, and it's like some of us. Some of us have been saved a long time, right? I'm not going to pick any of you on right here, but you know how it is. You've been saved a while and you're sitting in church and say, Pastor John, you know, I would get it if you, were, if you would just like 15 minutes and be done. I would, I'd, get the, I'd get the same thing out of the message than you going like 35 minutes. You know, because I'm pretty hungry. And my belly's growling right now. And uh, listen, there's people in here who need to get saved. There's some of you all that need to give in to this thing of soul winning. And Jesus Christ wants you to give the gospel to people. It's the word of God. Let's not, let's, let's stop. I'm telling you what, we're in a bad habit in our culture, in American, American culture. The preacher's got to be done at 12.05. The preacher's got to be done right at 7 o'clock on Sunday night. Listen, how about we just trust the Holy Spirit of God? Sometimes we've had guest speakers behind this pulpit, and I'm sitting back here, and I'm saying, literally, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to confess my sin right now. And I start praying, and I say, Lord, help him to finish. I kid you not, sitting in this chair right here, and I'm going, Lord, couple minutes, this would be great. Please shut them down. Please shut them down. And I get home. And I get home and God's just beating me up. Saying, why don't you just trust me? Instead of looking at your clock. Yeah, I know your, your tummy's growling, but you ain't going to die. I got something for you. Just trust me. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. But it is time to shut it down. I'm closing my Bible. See that? Closing my Bible. John chapter 4. Great passage of Scripture here. 
there is something applicable. Is that a word? That is a word. Did I say it right? Okay. Sorry. Applicable? Applicable. Whatever. There's something here for you. Are you breathing? There's something in that passage for you. There's two kinds of people in this room right now. There's believers and there's unbelievers. There's people that have been saved and there's people that aren't saved. There's some people that know for sure if right now God said your time is done and you stop breathing, your heart start pumping and he, and he took you home, right? Some people right now know that they'd be in heaven with him. They know that, 100% sure. And there's some people in here that don't know that. And that, scares, that thought scares you a little bit. And you start shaking in your boots a little bit. If you're wearing boots or your flip-flops or your sandals, whatever you wear, start shaking them a little bit, right? There's two kinds of people in here. There's people that know for sure and there's people that don't know for sure. Jesus said, now's the time. Then that's why he's, she said, well, Messiah's coming someday. And he said, no, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. If you're, if you're here and you're not saved, I invite you to come get saved. In just a moment, the piano is going to play and the people are going to come forward and I invite you to come get saved. This is a matter of life and death. That's what we're talking about. Life and death. Heaven and hell. And Jesus said, you can know for sure. If you recognize that you're a sinner, you realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross and took your place as that sinner, that what your sin deserves is hell. The Bible says that, Romans 6.23. says, your sin deserves hell. And Jesus Christ took your place. Because He was God, He rose again three days later. Now He's on the right hand of the Father. And He says, if you would just ask Me, I'll save you. Romans 10, 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Woo! I forgot. Man, I can't believe I forgot. Today is my spiritual birthday. I forgot all about it. I'm excited. Well, let me, let me back that up. It's the day I claim to be my spiritual birthday. Okay, nobody told me as a boy to write it down, but I know it was a Wednesday night in September of 1989. And so my, I have a sister-in-law that was born on a Wednesday night, or Wednesday, uh, September 1989, and I claimed her birthday, her physical birthday, as my spiritual birthday. It had to have been one of four, and I just picked one. All right, so today... Listen, I'm just being honest with you. Nobody told me to write it down, and I wanted a date. So September 18th, 1989, I got saved. You know, I'm saying I'm a born-again believer for 33 years. Woo! That's exciting. Now, how about you all that are in here that are saved? Jesus said, there's a reason i got to go to Samaria. There's a reason. I must needs go through Samaria. And God has put some people in your path for a reason. Even if they're if it, the people not in your path, He said, go out in the highways and the byways and compel them to come. Are you a soul winner? Let's bow together. Lord, help us please this morning. Great passage of Scripture. Lord, help us to glean. There is application here for all of us. Lord, help us please this morning. Lord, whether we need to get saved or whether we need to start soul winning or whether we need to grow and, and uh, Lord, follow Christ and be obedient in all these areas of life, Lord, 
I pray that you'd help us this morning. Pinpoint some things. And Lord, help us to respond as you are convicting our hearts this morning. Excuse me. Lord, thank you so much for your message, for the passage that you've given us. And help us to be what we're, we need to be before you, Lord, for your sake, for the cause of Christ. Help us this morning, Lord. Again, that person that needs to get saved. Help them to come and say, would you show me how to get saved so I can be saved, so I can be a child of God, so I can know for sure I'm on my way to heaven, so I can have that water that I'll never thirst again, so I can have that everlasting life that Jesus talks about. Lord, give them courage and give them strength to come. Say, I need to get saved.